0: This is Hashtag History episode 107. I'm Rachel. And I'm Leah. And maybe it's just because we are so on top of recordings this season and so far ahead. Yes. But I can't believe we're already recording episode
1: 107. I know. And we even took like a long two week break in between some we- recordings and we're still ahead.
0: We're still ahead. I mean, weren't we just celebrating our, our hundredth episode? Like, le- yes. Yes, we were. Yes. What is Time. It's entirely meaningless. (laughs) Well, we are going back in time this week, but not by a whole lot. Okay. Because this week we are discussing the Berlin Wall. Yeah. This was a wall that was first erected in August of 1961 to essentially separate East and West Germany from one another. Following the Second World War, Germany and Berlin itself was split up into four Allied occupation zones. The western portions were governed by the United States, Great Britain, and later France, while the eastern portion was governed by the Soviet Union. Between the years of 1949 and 1961, somewhere between 2.5 and 3.5 million Germans from the eastern side would flee to West Germany for reasons that we'll be getting into later in this episode. In response to this mass exodus, East Germany would construct a wall through Berlin, closing off access to West Germany. What would begin as some cinder blocks and barbed wire would be converted over time into concrete walls that stood 15 feet high. These walls would be guarded 24 7 with soldiers and watchtowers ready to shoot at the first sign of escape. More than 100 people with the most widely accepted number closer to 200 people, would be killed as they attempted to get to the other side of the wall. This wall quite literally separated families. It separated communities. It destroyed railroad lines that used to pass through the city. It destroyed daily activities. It meant that some people could no longer go to their jobs or go to their nearest grocery store to go see movies or go to the park with friends. More than 5,000 East Germans, so desperate to make it to West Germany, did just that by climbing over the barbed wire, jumping out of windows that were close to the wall, going underneath the wall through the sewer system, even flying hot air balloons over the wall. 99 left balloons. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. That's good. (laughs) This wall would stand for nearly 30 years before it was finally torn down in 1989, there was a huge celebration the day the wall fell with one Berlin resident spray painting on the wall, quote, only today is the war really over, unquote. I'm really looking forward to diving into this story today. Totally. We have a lot of talk about war and conflict and diplomacy and ideology ahead. So I think we're going to need a drink 1st <laughs>
1: I'm Rachel. And I'm Leah. And this is Hashtag History, the podcast for both history
0: nerds and history haters alike, where we dive into history's greatest stories of controversy, conspiracy, and corruption.
1: Oh, cocktail, right. <clears throat> okay. This week's cocktail was generously sponsored by Janae, mm. who left us a message saying, quote, You guys are the best. Glad to sponsor another cocktail.
0: No, Janae, you're the best.
1: Yes. We truly appreciate your support of the podcast and of our drinking.
0: Yes. Thank you so <laughs> much for all of your support. It means a lot.
1: Yeah, you're you're one of those followers that we see like in every post and on
0: our Patreon yeah. and supporting our cocktails and sending us messages. We love it. Thank you so so much. Yeah, thank you. So this week's Cocktail is called the Berlin Wall. Perfect. Yeah.
1: And before I get into the ingredients, I'm going to preface this by saying I have zero idea how these ingredients relate to any way to the Berlin Wall. Like I don't know where it came from. Okay. Because it's a tiki drink.
0: Oh. How interesting.
1: Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, so the Berlin <laughs> is like Berlin Wall, no relation to the actual wall. No. Um, so it contains tequila. Uh, Lime juice, freshly squeezed or not. Uh, Falernum. I'll get into that. And then orange bitters. Okay. Got it? Yes. Got it all except for the Falernum part. Great. And I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. But for those wondering, Falernum Mm -hmm. is like a rummy, limey, almond type liqueur. (laughs) Like all my favorite things wrapped into one. Yeah. And it's very common in, like I said, tiki drink, like Mm -hmm. tiki cocktails. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's also hard to find. If I am being honest. (laughs) (laughs) So I actually made my own. (laughs) Yay! Uh, You too can make your own Falernum with rum, lime zest and lime juice. Sometimes ginger is included, different spices like cinnamon, allspice, and then always, always almonds or almond extract.
0: Yay. I love, love, love almonds so much. Yeah.
1: And so I found the specific recipe that I kind of followed on SeriousEats.com, but there were a ton when I looked. Because I, I was like Falernum. I don't, I don't Like, I'm sure Total Wine probably has it. Don't feel like going to Total Wine. And also it may cost you a million dollars for a bottle. And that's right. I I did actually look it up online. They do have a bottle, like $50 for a bottle. And I'm like, am I going to use this? I probably will based on the ingredients now that I know what they are. But at the time, I was like, no.
0: But also, is it worth $50 for something that while you'll use it, it's still going to take you like a year or whatever to get through it. We could be on season 25 yeah. and still going through it. Just like we still, one of us still has some, um, uh, vermouth, vermouth <laughs>
1: which I, goes bad. <laughs> yeah. We're still drinking it though. <laughs> and we're still drinking it because we refuse to
0: spend more money on more. Yeah.
1: But so yeah, it was actually really easy to make. Uh, I had all the ingredients already. I happen to have a lime. I happen to have some rum and I happen to have some of the spices it requires. So it looks and smells
0: so good yeah
1: i'm very excited cheers cheers
0: it's not as sweet as i expected it's not as sweet as i expected yeah i think i was expecting more sweetness like but i guess the only sweet thing in here is the almond and i don't know how much almond is in there yeah i guess that's true it actually very much reminds me of the cocktail we just had in last week's episode. Very uh, citrusy. Yeah. And it I put, very I'm not going to lie. I put a lot of lime
1: zest in that Falernum mixture that I... Which I love lime. Yeah.
0: I think I was hoping the almond was going to come through a little more. The almond comes through a lot in smell. Yeah. It smells like an almond drink. Yes. But yeah, you're right. It doesn't come through. And granted,
1: full transparency here, that may be because I did not make a good batch of Falernum. I think you did a great job.
0: It's fine. Yeah. It's, it's, like I said, similar to last week, very citrusy, so it's sour.
2: Yeah.
0: I'm going to give it a 6. 6.5. All right. 6.25 this week, y'all. Okay. Okay. Although the Berlin Wall was constructed in 1961, today's story really begins in 1945. What? What happened then? I'll tell you.
1: Okay. <laughs> this well, is that's what we're
0: about to get into. That's... Honestly, the next at least twenty five <laughs> minutes. So so I hope you I hope you meant it when you asked that question. Yeah, I did, I did. I hope our viewers did. <laughs> yeah. Get so ready. this is nineteen forty five, it's immediately after World War Two. The Allied powers, originally the United States, Great Britain, and the Soviet Union, although this would also later include France, met together to determine the fate of Germany. Essentially, what these countries wanted to ensure was that Germany would not repeat what had occurred in the aftermath of World War I. After World War I, the Allies, again, the United States, Great Britain, France, amongst some others, set out to blame and humiliate Germany for the destruction it had caused in the conflict. With the Treaty of Versailles, Germany was forced to pay in reparations the equivalent today of roughly $270 billion. That's a lot. That's is a lot. It is a lot. Not only was Germany in absolute economic and financial despair, they were also devastated on a social, moral, and political level. Yeah. Nearly 15% of German men had been killed over the course of the war. <sighs> That's, a lot. That's a lot. World War I was bad, guys. So bad. Devastating
1: for everyone.
0: Completely devastating and... Uh, I mean, yeah, very much world war one, but I'm even thinking to world war two where these battles were occurring, completely devastated the cities where it occurred and they had to completely rebuild again. Yep. Additionally, as part of the treaty, Germany was forced to surrender several of its colonies and to reduce the size of its military significantly. This set Germany up in such a vulnerable way that many Germans seized the rise of Adolf Hitler and the Nazi party under Hitler, Germany did not make a single reparation payment under the treaty. In fact, as historian Felix Schultz said, quote, Hitler was committed to not just paying, but to overturning the whole treaty, unquote.
1: I mean, a lot of historians argue that because the Allies were so harsh Mm -hmm. on Germany, that is what birthed the Nazi party. And it's it's the resentment, it's the embarrassment, and the devastation that all of those reparations caused yes. on Germany that caused the Nazi understanding and acceptance of the Nazi party to grow. Yeah. In Germany. And I'm not saying like it's right around. Right. I'm not. I, yeah, yeah, I don't know I'm the not, answer. Yeah. I don't know the answer. I don't know that anybody could know the answer. But a lot of folks can trace a direct line from that to correct the Nazi party. And,
2: and
0: why World War Two happened yes. as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you for perfectly lining me up for the next sentence in my script, which is that the despair that Germany was left in following World War One played a major role in the rise of Hitler, the Nazi Party, and ultimately World War II. Sorry, you didn't mean to steal your thunder uh, there. I totally appreciate it. Okay. <laughs> it, it, it. It reemphasizes that exactly what you said, there's a perfect line drawn between World War One and World War Two, and the way that Germany was treated and the condition that they were left in following World War One directly resulted in World War Two. Yeah. So to get back to today's topic, what the Allied forces wanted to do following World War Two was not <laughs> what they had done following World War One. Instead, the Allies chose to occupy Germany to ensure that history would not repeat itself. And, and that's understandable, too, sure. in some ways. Again, I
1: can't say what's right and what's wrong. There are obviously hindsight's 20-20. But Like, I I understand. I get the the thought process behind it. The rationale. Hitler rose to power because we left them unoccupied and we left them to their own devices.
0: So let's take a look here at how Germany was broken up. Okay. It is colorful. It's colorful. It's all the primary colors here.
1: It's essentially like if I could take a line and split the country across the middle horizontally and kind of vertically, there's green in the upper left quadrant, red in the upper right, blue in the lower left, yellow in the lower mm-hmm. right and it I'm US is in the lower right. France is obviously taking the lower left which is kind of where f- France is connected to. Yeah. You got England in the upper left and then you got uh it looks like Russia has Just, yeah, Soviet Union. Soviet Union, not Russia. <laughs> um has the upper right quadrant. And then there is this little section up in the upper right quadrant where it looks like all of the colors, every single country is in this little section and is that Berlin?
0: No. Yes, it is. I'm so glad you brought that up. So oh as you can see in this picture, like you already shared, the country of Germany was split up into four regions, but as you spotted in that kind of northeast region mm-hmm. there was another division of occupation right that there is berlin and i'm assuming let me just let me just, mm-hmm. yeah please
1: i'm assuming it's because berlin is the capital and so everybody wanted a little piece of the pie of the capital
0: yes uh,
1: or like wanted a stake or want they they all have like
0: embassies or like little they didn't want the capital to be controlled by one country Which entirely i guess again yes. makes sense yes so that history would not repeat itself correct so Obviously, based on that map there, Berlin is very much in the Soviet Union quarter, right? Right. (laughs) In fact, it was 110 miles into the Soviet Union quarter. So why was this particular city also split into four regions? You've already kind of alluded to it. Mm -hmm. As the capital of Germany with approximately 3 million residents, Berlin was really the epicenter of politics and society. If conflict were to occur in post-World War II Germany it was very likely that it would happen right here in Berlin. And therefore, the Allies decided that Berlin should not be entirely controlled by the Soviet Union, but should be split into four parts as well. So I have a zoomed-in picture here of the occupation zones for Berlin that we're going to check out. Okay. Uh, So we have, I mean, it's exactly what you look
1: at. There's East Berlin, which is mostly to the east. There's kind of like a diagonal line across Mm -hmm. Berlin. And then to Berlin. The left or to the west is um, you have a British sector, an American sector, and a French sector.
0: Uh In this picture, there's clearly an east side controlled by the Soviet Union. And it's a larger portion. Definitely. It's like half of it. Correct. Yeah, Yeah, I would say 50%. East Germany, controlled by the Soviet Union, and then the West Side split up into three, United States, Britain, and France. Yep. To even begin to explain the division in ideology, politics, and culture of the West Allied Forces and the Soviet Union, well, that would have to be an episode all on its own. Yeah, we ain't got time for that. No time for that. When the Soviet Union joined the other Allied Forces during World War II, this was certainly an unlikely pairing. Yeah. Yeah. There had been problems between the United States and the Soviet Union even before the start of the Second World War, and there continued to be issues between the two nations over the course of the war, even when they eventually became unlikely allies in 1941. Mm -hmm. Following the conclusion of the Second World War, these differences would become more apparent and would ultimately lead to the start of the Cold War. Again, a whole episode in and of itself. The Cold War era was really marked by the competition between the two nations, the threat of nuclear warfare, and the division of communism versus capitalism. Mm -hmm. The East and West began operating under very different systems, with the East governing with a socialist economic plan and the West governing as a capitalist republic. In the western regions of Berlin, the city residents saw a significant improvement in their daily lives. And the way I really saw this difference in daily lives between the East and West, best explained was in an article I read by economist B.R. Chenoy titled East and West Berlin, a study in free versus controlled economy. Mm -hmm. All sources used to put together each one of our episodes are made available on our website at hashtag history-pod.com. Sprinkle that in there. But because I am going to be quoting heavily from this particular article, I want to verbally cite it here. Nice. Following World War II, essentially 80% of the city of Berlin had been destroyed. As Chenoy described in his article, there was a stark difference in the rebuilding conducted between the two sides. In West Berlin, quote, vacant plots are often used to raise crops. Buildings still in damaged condition are rare. The residential areas, including flats for workers, of varying floor space, they are not shawls, and the shopping center's radiate boom conditions. In East Berlin, a good part of the destruction still remains. Twisted iron, broken walls, and heaped-up rubble are common enough sites. The new structures, especially the prefabricated workers' tenements, look drab." Chenoy notes that another major difference between the two sectors is that many working West Berliners drive cars, a trait that, quote, West Berlin shares with USA and many parts of Europe, unquote, but that this concept is, quote, unknown in East Berlin, unquote, where the majority of the region still uses public transportation to get around. This is another example
1: of At the time, that probably was looked as like... Now, like today, I'm like,
0: good for them not driving
1: cars if they don't need to. But obviously, at the time, it was like a sign of progress or whatever.
0: Isn't that funny how... yeah, just how how things change yeah. over time. That now we like really respect public transportation because it's better for walking, biking to work. Yeah, yeah, it's so much better for the environment. But but it certainly is a testament to the progression of like yeah individual autonomy that you can drive totally. yourself to. You want to, to work. drive yourself to work? You can. And that wasn't an option yeah. really in East Berlin. In fact, you know, as this economist was saying, it was like a foreign concept yeah. that one could own their yeah, own that's car. Weird. Yes. Yeah. Everything in East Berlin, the shops, the household goods, the food, and restaurants, all is of a lower quality, but still costs more than their Western counterparts. To quote Chenoy directly again, he says, quote, "...visiting East Berlin gives the impression of visiting a prison camp. The people do not seem to feel free. In striking contrast with the cordiality of West Berliners, they show an unwillingness to talk to strangers." generally taking shelter behind the plea that they do not understand English. At frequent intervals, one comes across on the pavement, uniformed police and military striding along. Apart from the white armed traffic police and the police in the routine patrol cars, uniformed men are rarely seen on West Berlin roads, unquote. I could quote from this article forever because it really does lay out the stark contrast between yeah. the two Berlins so perfectly. Mm-hmm. But here's the last big section I will quote from, and it focuses primarily on the different political systems between the two regions and how this directly plays into the very different living conditions. Right. Quote, the main explanation lies in the divergent political systems. The people being the same, there's no difference in talent, technological skill and aspiration of the residents of the two parts of the city. In West Berlin, efforts are spontaneous and self-directed by free men under the urge to go ahead. In East Berlin, effort is centrally directed by communist planners who do not lack in determination for speedy progress. The urge to progress is particularly strong if only to demonstrate the potentialities of communism to foreign visitors to the two Berlins." The contrast in prosperity is convincing proof of the superiority of the forces of freedom over centralized planning. It is difficult to resist the inference that workers in East Berlin, deprived of the incentives of full property rights over the fruits of one's efforts, are loath to put in their best." Naturally, as a result of the stark differences between the two Berlins, as Chenoy calls it, there was a mass migration from East to West. Particularly among young professionals, doctors, dentists, engineers, lawyers, educators, and other skilled laborers fled in mass numbers to the West. Oh, yeah. Which those are all the people you need. You need. Absolutely. To make a city function. Absolutely. In fact, between the years of 1949 and 1961, East Germany would see some 2.5 million people flee to the West for better opportunities and really just a better quality of life. Have you ever seen Atomic Blonde? no oh my god i am just
1: that's like all i'm picturing right now is that kind of what this is about no so it's a it's like an action movie with Charlize theron Mm. and but it's like based during i think in the 80s like during Mm -hmm. the fall of the wall Mm -hmm. and and they talk about it's like based in berlin and it's it's like right when it's happening the the fall of the wall and it's like an action movie it's like a born identity movie you know it it reminds me a lot of that but it's based during this time and it's very interesting.
0: Is it? Yeah. It's similar to this kind of?
1: I mean it just you see you that's what you see. She's in um East Berlin, I okay. believe,
0: and and you see that difference. Difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You already kind of said this, but this like loss of these people, particularly these intellectuals, was obviously really scary for the Soviet Union. Not only in a morale sense and really just the humiliation that came along with people not wanting to live in their region, (laughs) but also in terms of resources. The fewer people you have to help reconstruct following the war, the less you can reconstruct. Yeah. Particularly speaking of people like doctors and other intellectuals, this was a huge loss to the East
1: honestly the skilled laborers even more so like the people actually building those buildings oh, yeah. rebuilding you know brick by brick
0: you it, lose you those don't resources. have brick
1: layers and you don't have uh, a new building yeah
0: and you'll forever look like immediately post a world war yeah and those are the kind of streets and buildings and apartments that your people are living in and frequenting yeah Uh, This, you know, great migration of all of these intellectuals actually became known, this movement became known as the brain drain. Wow. And so, as this division between the East and West deepened, the Soviet Union made it their mission to push the Western Allied forces out of the East entirely. This meant that they had to force the Western Allies out of Berlin. With these efforts in mind, the Soviet Union began the Berlin blockade, And these blockades did exactly what they sound like. The Soviet Union blocked paths to West Berlin so that food, water, and other supplies could not be delivered. They were essentially trying to starve the Western allies out of Berlin, but the United States was unwilling to back out. General Clay, the American commander in Berlin, said, quote, If we withdraw, our position in Europe is threatened and communism will run rampant, unquote. The U.S. also did not want to use military force to fight the blockade with the threat of nuclear warfare so high. Instead, the United States, along with Britain, France, New Zealand, Australia, Canada, and others, began conducting airlifts over Berlin in which they would drop food and other goods to West Berlin daily. In fact, these planes that were supplying goods either took off or landed in West Berlin every 30 seconds for the full year that this operation was conducted. Wow. By the end of the operation, these airlifts were dropping some 8,000 tons of supplies every single day. That's a lot of gas. (laughs) That's a lot of gas. In total, after nearly 300,000 flights, Allied forces had dropped approximately 2.3 million tons of goods into West Berlin. Obviously, receiving your daily needs via airlift is not ideal, and the living conditions in the West as a result of this were not what they had once been, Mm -hmm. food and other goods had to be strictly rationed. But even still, life was better in West Berlin Mm -hmm. than East Berlin. Mm -hmm. And the harsh blockades that the Soviet Union had imposed did not achieve their goal of pushing Western allies out of the region. As a result, the Soviets would lift the blockade on May 12th, 1949 by reopening the roads and railway paths they had closed over a year prior. Allies continued to do airlifts through September of that year, however, just in case the blockades were ever reinstated. With the failure of the Berlin blockade, the Soviet Union knew that they would need to take even more drastic measures if they were to keep their people in and the quote-unquote other people out. Mm -hmm. And thus began the creation of the Berlin Wall. hey everyone we are so excited to share with you about macy's wine shop yes it is that macy's macy's has launched their very own wine shop which includes full-size delicious wines curated by their experts coming from renowned wine regions which include our home state of california and beyond you can select exactly what type of wine you are looking for do you love reds Do you love whites? Maybe a little bit of both? You can make these personalized selections quickly and easily through the Macy's Wine Shop. What makes Macy's Wine Shop better than any other online wine club is that they deliver quality wines at unmatched price points, all within one to three business days. Seriously, I ordered my wine on a Monday and had already received them by that following Wednesday. And with our link, you get $50 off a six-bottle box of Macy's award-winning wines, which is a $95 retail value. Head to the show notes of this episode to access the discount code, or you can head to our Instagram to find the link in our bio. Cheers! something i wanted to pause and really reflect on before we dive into the the meat of this episode is just how crazy this whole thing is right like it's one thing to have two countries up alongside each other that have very different ideologies it's another thing to have that division within the same city I mean that would be like you and me, Leah. We we live on opposite sides of our county, but we are technically within the same greater Sacramento region. Yeah. And although there was such a division within the city, there was still relatively open passage between the east and west borders. There would be markers stating that you were leaving the western side or there would be patrol officers that would sometimes stop you and ask you questions and ask to see your
1: papers or yes. whatever. Yeah.
0: But it certainly was not uncommon for people to travel between the two sides. People had jobs on opposite sides, families on friends. opposite sides, friends, their schools, their grocery stores, their I churches. Would get to see you well, That's exactly where I'm going with this. If I mean, imagine if Sacramento were to be split in half right now. My work is on the other side. Yeah, my job is on the other side. You are on the other side. The dance studio that we go to that I teach at is on the other side. My sister, one of my sisters, lives a little further out from the rest of the family. She's on the other side. My grandparents, it's like 75% of my life is on the other side. Just because you chose to live or because you live a little further away. Because I live a touch further away. Yeah. It's really, really crazy and really scary to think about. Yeah. But that is exactly what the Soviets did. Under cover of nightfall, the East German police force and army began closing the West Berlin border the wall began with just some barbed wire looking strikingly different than what we normally visualize when we think of the Berlin Wall. I Actually, I have a picture here of what that first Berlin Wall looked like.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it's it looks like a barbed wire fence. It's a, yeah. It's a,
0: lo- a tall, uh, six-foot barbed wire fence. Yeah, but definitely different than what we think of now when we think of the Berlin Wall. Yeah. Because right. we don't really see this Version of the Berlin Wall that often. This was like the first makeshift Well, it's version. because you throw a carpet over that and you
1: can climb over it easy peasy. Yes. yes. Lemon squeezy.
0: I mean, not for me, but I'm sure that people can.
1: <laughs> if you were desperate enough right. to see me,
0: <laughs> if you were on and the other side, cocktail
1: right here, that I'd it was there. only a 6.25,
0: <laughs> would that still encourage you to come on over? Of course Okay. Of course it would, because you're a 10.5. <laughs> of course it would. <laughs> okay. This occurred on August 13th, 1961, marking what would become known in Germany as Barbed Wire Sunday. This makeshift barbed wire barrier was extended the nearly 100 miles around West Berlin with another nearly 30 miles between East and West Berlin. So they couldn't even like escape to like the rest of occupied and that and that was the point because if we look at that picture go ahead go back to the picture of um the first occupied one yes it went around west berlin so all the colored okay stuff. got it got it got it got it so west berlin couldn't go anywhere else in east germany got it they're a literal island yes literal colored island in the
1: sea of red
0: yep and again just a pause and reflect on how strange this barrier was there were railroads and train stations and bus lines and trams and mail systems that crossed through east and west berlin i mean it's a city it's like sacramento you send me mail i receive it even though we're on opposite ends of the greater sacramento region we're still in the same county yeah like there were railroads that were cut in half The two sides of the city were very much connected, despite their different leadership and ideology. Some 60,000 East Berliners worked in West Berlin. And in the blink of an eye, this all disappeared. No one had been told of the construction of the wall. No one knew about it in advance. They just woke up one morning and found their city divided. And I
1: have to wonder, like, did East Berlin Mm -hmm. uh, Soviet Union, like, did they actually did they think about uh, think about that like did they think like we're cutting them off but it's worth it for this or did they just like oops we uh,
0: didn't think about the fact that john actually has to go to the other side no it was one they knew they knew what they were doing yeah they knew that it was going to disrupt lives but they were taking drastic measures to not let their people out when you have sixty thousand East Berliners working in West Berlin and that's what I you wondered. know that. Yeah, you, know, you that. know that.
1: Yeah. You're you're a city. That would be
0: like our governor deciding to chop the Sacramento region in half right, right now. He knows that people where I live we must knows, certainly work 20 minutes from our home. He
1: absolutely knows that half of the Bay Area now lives in Sacramento. <laughs>
0: yeah. Thanks for racking up the housing prices here, <laughs> Bay Area. Um, but yeah, I mean, yes, you know that people work within an hour-ish of their homes. You know that people have family all across yeah. the city. Yeah. Yeah. No, they, they 100% knew. Okay. It wasn't a oopsie. <laughs> In the first few hours of the construction, it wasn't too difficult to escape to the other side. But I mean, think of those that did escape oh, at a moment's notice. Think about
1: I look over and I see they're building a flipping barbed wire fence wall. Oh yeah. And I work over there. Yeah. And I live over here. I'm like, get the
0: Or or b- even worse than that, not just I work over there, my mom's over there. My yeah. dad's over there. The, my ho- the hospital's over there. Over the there. hospital's over there. The like your loved ones. This is the that's the thing to consider here. This is the same city. It's not that they're in another country. It's not that they're on the opposite side of the in country. A different state. They're not in not a different. Yeah, it is the same city. It's wild for those that did escape at a moment's notice. You know when they see this. Fence going up. Yeah. Think about that though. Like, so they make a rash decision, like, I got to get to the other side. I do not want to be stuck on this side. Yeah. They're not bringing along with them worldly possessions, important papers, clothes, food, anything. It must have been chaos. It was chaos. But for those that did escape, you know, although they didn't have their physical possessions with them, they were grateful for it because soon thereafter, even this would be nearly impossible. The only way to get through the wall were at three checkpoints, checkpoint Alpha, Bravo, and Charlie that for the most part only let officials through. Very, very rarely could average citizens get by. And as a reminder, this wall was not built to keep the enemies out. No, it was to keep East Berliners in. Ugh, it's such an
1: interesting not like not okay. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. That sounded interesting, makes it sound like a positive connotation. Such an unique yeah like thing yeah that happens, yeah
0: i I don't think saying interesting is bad as long as we assume that interesting doesn't mean good yeah because it is fascinating and i don't mean that in a good way it's fascinating in that it's mind-blowing yeah that you would put a barrier between a city yeah there is this one really dramatic story that comes from only in a few weeks after the wall was constructed a 77 year old woman named Frieda schultz tried to escape through her apartment building window to get over to the other side of the wall and there's actually photographic evidence of her being pulled back into her apartment by east berlin officials while simultaneously being pulled out of the apartment by west berlin firemen below she is but one of many many stories like this oh it's God. like a literal physical tug of war yeah Earlier, you will recall, we discussed the economy and the overall financial situation of East Berlin. It wasn't great. And this was reflected heavily in the construction of the Berlin Wall. As they began reinforcing the wall, you know, removing the makeshift barbed wire barrier and replacing it with concrete walls, this was all done really poorly and really cheaply. The wall was built without a foundation. I mean, it was like, it was pretty crude looking. Yeah, All their bricklayers were in West Berlin.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's it. They didn't have people to lay a good foundation. They did not have Literally. people to lay a good foundation.
0: <laughs> yeah, in, in more ways than one. Yeah. Over time, the wall would see a total of three renovations, each time making it taller, thicker, and more formidable. There's this story that comes from early, early on in the construction of the Berlin Wall of this engaged couple that desperately wanted their family on the other side to see them get married. Of course. So they went up to a tall apartment building close to the wall, and they got married in the window so their relatives could see them from the other side. (sighs) But after more and more revisions were made to the wall, experiences like this became impossible. Well, it's
1: because people were jumping from that window across to the other side. So, of course, I need to make the wall tall enough that nobody can do that. And
0: not only did they do that, you know, they continued to make the wall higher and higher, but they also, on the east side, ended up covering all of the apartment windows with bricks so that no one could see out. The United States' response to the Berlin Wall was interesting. Yeah, yeah. President at the time, John F. Kennedy, stated that the U.S. would not engage so long as the East left the West alone. He didn't want to risk another war, particularly now a potentially nuclear one. Kennedy was quoted as saying, quote, a wall is a hell of a lot better than a war, unquote. They wouldn't say it out loud, but for many politicians in the West, this wall kind of resolved some of their problems. With this distinct separation between two sides, it felt like the rising conflict may have subsided. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. what? <laughs> I know. <laughs> By the time the Berlin Wall was fully constructed and renovated, it was pretty terrifying. For one, the Berlin Wall was actually two parallel walls, each 10 feet high. And in between those two walls was what became known as the Death Strip. This strip is where anyone attempting to escape would most likely be caught and killed. To escape, one would have to manage to scale the inner wall and then somehow make it over the top. This top used to be covered with barbed wire, which is obviously difficult and painful to get over. But later renditions of the wall removed the barbed wire and it replaced it with like a thick, rounded concrete edge, which was next to impossible to climb. If you did get get over, there were mines and tripwires, in addition to hundreds of watchtowers with armed patrol trained to shoot and kill anyone attempting escape. They really thought of everything when constructing these walls. They painted both the inner and outer walls white so that people could be easily detected. And the sandy ground in the death strip was raked every day so that you could easily detect if there were footprints. In total, more than 100 people will be killed in their attempt to get to the other side of the wall, whether that be over, under, or around. And one really, really horrendous story that... You can unfortunately see pictures from as well, although we won't be viewing them today, is that of 18 year old Peter Fector, who attempted to escape the wall with his friend in 1962. His friend would make it over the wall, but Fector was not as lucky. East German border guards shot at him, striking Fector in the pelvis, with hundreds of people watching. He fell into the death strip where the East Germans left him to scream and bleed out until he died an hour later.
1: This is exactly what I just said. Like, could they have gone in and collected him, nursed him back to health and let him continue to live his life or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, go to jail or whatever on the East side?
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: But no, we'd rather just see him die.
0: Yeah. Then support the other side in any way at all. The West Side did what they could to help by throwing him bandages over the wall, but he could not reach the bandages. And when he died, West Berlin gathered in protest to scream murderers at the border guards. As tragic as this story is, ultimately, between the years of 1961 and 1989, more than 5,000 East Germans would make it to the other side. This number also included approximately 600 border guards. (laughs) That abandoned their positions and escaped to the other side. That's so funny you said that because I was just about to ask, like, is this East
1: Berlin army or whatever, are are they mostly comprised of, like, German, like, Berlin residents or
0: are they, like, Soviet Union? Yeah, I would say they mostly were not because they did not want people that had bias or allegiance or anything like that. Yeah speaking right to that east german officials fully anticipated that they would have border guards attempting to flee as well so that they set up protocols to keep this from happening as a guard you were always paired up with another guard that you did not know a stranger so that you would not try to escape you didn't trust your partner you didn't know if they would snitch on you or not so you didn't dare to flee it's kind of very like handmaid's tale like oh my gosh yeah isn't it yeah you don't trust the person that you're paired up with, you don't know if they're a snitch. You don't know whose side they're on. Yep. You don't know what you can say or not say. That's, that's exactly like Handmaid's Tale, mm-hmm. where she's like this little pious bitch, and then <laughs> yeah. like
1: later you find out, like, oh, exactly, <laughs> exactly.
0: Yeah. There were also trained dogs that you know, while these dogs were trained to attack any civilian that scaled the wall, they were also trained to turn on their own guards if that guard attempted to escape as well. Wow. Being a guard of the wall. I mean, it's not a great job. It was cold out there. Yeah. Uh, you oftentimes had to work 12 hours at a time. I mean, if they made me work 12 hours at a time constantly. And in the cold. Ra, With no toilets, no kitchen or any way to cook
1: food. I complained that I have to go outside the building up <laughs> to the third
0: floor to use the restroom. To rest use room. the restroom. That's a huge, like, not okay. <laughs> this is a no restroom right. for 12 hours. In the cold. Oh, also no no means of cooking any food as right, well. Right, 12 hours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they were trained to shoot to kill and were told in official orders, quote, Do not hesitate to use your firearm, not even when the border is breached in the company of women and children, which is a tactic the traders have often used, unquote. In June of 1963, so two years after the Berlin Wall had been constructed, President Kennedy went to visit West Berlin. The people there were feeling disheartened and distraught and, I mean, really just afraid of a takeover by East Germany. Kennedy spoke to approximately 450,000 people here and gave what many consider to be one of the greatest speeches of his presidency. Going off of his script, he said, and I'm going to read the whole thing in English. It was not originally all in English. Oh, did he speak German? Uh, German and Latin Oh, nice. in it. Yeah. Uh, Quote, 2000 years ago the proudest boast was i am a roman citizen today in the world of freedom the proudest boast is i am a berliner all free men wherever they may live are citizens of berlin and therefore as a free man i take pride in the words i am a berliner unquote with this speech kennedy solidified that he was prepared to defend west germany and to defend democracy as a whole And as the years passed, the Cold War did begin to thaw. Again, we could do a whole episode in and of itself in relation to the fall of the Soviet Union. And although we are moving a bit quickly through the years here, I do want us to acknowledge just how long this time period really was. If you were born in Berlin in the early 1960s, you lived your childhood and young adult life with this wall. Yeah. You wouldn't know otherwise. Nope. You would be nearly thirty years old, maybe even with children of your own, when talks of the fall of the wall finally occurred. I mean, it's older than, than
2: yeah, we it's were. essentially yeah. our
0: age, yeah, yeah, like almost our age now is how long this wall was in effect i mean that's that's a long time, a half to a third of someone's lifetime, not knowing anything different, yeah. But as things began to thaw out, the United States began to place added pressure on the General Secretary of the Communist Party of the Soviet Union, Mikhail Gorbachev, who finally reunified Germany once again. In a speech delivered on June 12, 1987, U.S. President Ronald Reagan said, quote, We welcome change and openness. For we believe that freedom and security go together, that the advance of human liberty can only strengthen the cause of world peace. There is one sign the Soviets can make that would be unmistakable. That would advance dramatically the cause of freedom and peace. General Secretary Gorbachev, if you seek peace, if you seek prosperity for the Soviet Union and Eastern Europe, if you seek liberalization, come here to this gate. Mr. Gorbachev, open this gate. Mr. Gorbachev,
1: tear down this wall. (laughs) Unquote. You know, in, in... you obviously know that speech.
0: like At yeah, totally, very, the, the very
1: end of that, yeah. I, I was waiting for that. It's a yeah. very
0: iconic speech and something that I think just for a moment we have to pause and reflect on. At the start of this is Kennedy. At the end of this is Reagan. Yeah. That is a long time long time that's a really long time yeah when you think of those two time periods in history you think of the time period of jfk and you think of the time period of reagan they're drastically different time Uh, periods in american history completely it's pretty crazy and by 1989 gorbachev did just that without any advance notice to the border guards on yeah (laughs) that's four guys these guys have the worst job seriously they can't go pee for 12 hours and they're not i can't even hold my bladder for three hours two hours i've had to pee three times since we started recording this podcast on november 9th of that year thousands of east berliners began congregating at border crossings at the wall you see, a mistaken announcement was made by an official of the Socialist Unity Party, Gunter Schabowski. East Germany had intended to update regulations to the wall to allow for more free travel, but Schabowski, who had not been involved in any of the conversations about these new regulations, simply read off from a note that he was handed during a press conference that regulations had changed and there would now be free travel between East and West Berlin. <laughs> Show whoops <laughs> 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 shabowski shabowski when asked by a journalist how soon these regulations would take place shabowski shabowski as he's also known yeah uh shabowski paused for a moment unsure of the answer and then verbal vomited quote as far as i know it takes effect immediately without delay well, come on Shawowski. come on Shawowski. Confronted by thousands of confused East Berliners at the wall, border guards began making frantic phone calls to their supervisors asking what they should do. Unable to hold off the huge crowd any longer, they opened the border crossings and let the East Germans through. Yep. And this is, I mean, this is my favorite part of the story because even after all the time that had passed, even after all the differences in social and political and cultural structures, when the East Berliners finally burst through to the West Side, West Berliners were there waiting with flowers and bottles of champagne. That's what I want to see. Me too. I mean, just think about that like both sides rejoiced in the reunification and partied with laughter and booze if you had if you were on the other side and i'm on the other side and it's 30 years from now could you imagine we're 60 we're oh. 60 now i haven't met
1: your children or
0: your that's grandchildren. exactly what i was gonna say your it's
1: grandchildren
0: like, that's exactly what i was gonna say is 30 years is a long time but when you've made such a great relationship and foundation with a person it's like the second those walls open it's like oh my god i can't wait to meet your son and your daughter-in-law and your 14 grandkids yeah and, and I, you know what i mean jeez girl <laughs> <I know. laughs> no
1: but i have to even say like even if i i absolutely agree with you thinking of that made me mm-hmm. just tear up a little bit but like if it was a f- stranger that crossed that wall and uh, came over i would be
0: celebrating with yes. them And you know, what's crazy is how many strangers that came over from the other side that are under the age of 30 that have never known otherwise. Yeah. This wall has always been in place. How cool would that almost be as a kid? And by kid, I say that in quotations, because kid, I can, I'm referring to someone all the way up to the age of like 28 years old. Yeah. Seeing your parents being like, no, this is a really, really big deal. Like we're going to see your aunts and your uncles. Finally. Your aunts and your uncles that I've told you about for the last 30 years, you're going to meet them that's crazy okay so there's some really great pictures of Berliners climbing onto the wall and sitting there with one another after decades of separation just enjoying some booze together we can check out those pictures <sighs> and then you can also see uh, videos of this as well
1: yeah with David hasselhoff yes ha- the Hasselhoff the hopper because they loved him
0: they really really loved him they really loved him they really love him
1: yeah <laughs> I mean I'm not gonna say weird whatever
0: yeah. I love This, yeah, I love this. I love this because I feel like you just think after thirty years of time that maybe I don't know, just that there wouldn't be a reunification like this, but there is, and I think it goes to what you said too: is even if it's a stranger, oh, I don't, it doesn't have to be. I'm
1: hugging you. I'm, 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 yeah, sharing my my champagne with you. I am partying with you because
0: it's the movement.
1: I don't, yeah, it's that this city
0: was reunified. Yeah, that's a really, really big deal. Mm -hmm. I love it. Yep. The same weekend after the wall fell, more than 2 million people from East Berlin visited West Berlin to celebrate. People joined together with picks and hammers to chip away at the wall themselves. Yeah, Like I mentioned in the intro, one Berliner took this opportunity to spray paint on the wall, quote, only today is the war really over, unquote. Germany was officially reunified on October 3rd, 1990, 11 months after the fall of the Berlin Wall. Also, in 1990, the official tear down of the wall began. The border guards were ultimately the ones responsible for tearing it down. And this would be the last job of the border guards. Once they tore the wall down, they were
1: out of work. They probably milked that thing until the end. Took a couple months instead of a couple weeks, if you know what I mean.
0: (laughs) Tear it down. There are still some parts of the wall in existence today. There are some small stretches of it in Berlin that have been preserved as memorials. There are also pieces of it in other parts of the world, including Georgia midtown manhattan and a urinal in the main street station hotel and casino in las vegas i have actually, you seen it?
1: i haven't seen it oh. i have um heard
0: about it and i always every time i'm there i always forget yeah but it is in the men's restroom but if you are a lady that would like to see it there are people there will that will escort you into the like security and stuff that'll escort you in there because um we deserve to see parts of the berlin wall as or well just walk in or just walk in because not that big of a deal it's really not Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Hashtag History. We will, as always, share the pictures
1: that we discussed in the episode to our Instagram and all sources used to put together the episode can be found on our website at hashtag history-pod.com.
0: Subscribe to us on whatever podcast platform you use, share about us with your family and friends, and then give us a rate and review.
1: And be sure to check us out on our socials. We are on Instagram at hashtag history underscore podcasts, And we also have started a TikTok so check us out on there
0: at Hashtag History, all one word. And come join us over on Patreon, where for only $1 a month, you can help support our books and booze supply. You also get access to some behind-the-scenes content, weekly hashtag hangout episodes, and automatic 15% off all merchandise, and we mail you cards and stickers. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Jesus, the house is coming down. (laughs) (laughs) And if everything goes according to plan, (laughs) well, that's my life. Thanks for listening. (laughs) I hope you had a good
1: time. I I know know I I did. did. Oh my God. Why is this one much spikier than the last time? Don't try to make sense of it. Okay.
0: Okay. There's no logic or rationale involved in audacity. Great it has the audacity the, the audacity to not be rationale
1: you want to know what's <laughs> should, funny that no. i was just thinking about wait what were you well, I would say should we just do the yeah i'm Rachel. Bl- 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 and i'm leah <laughs> <laughs> and this is hashtag, hashtag history. history the podcast the podcast right? oh yeah wait, the, yeah the podcast mm-hmm. for with this greatest the po- controversy what is it <laughs>
0: You we both listen to it every week The <laughs> podcast for history lovers and, and history, history haters, haters alike. alike where we dive into history's greatest stories of controversy, conspiracy and, and, and corruption, corruption. Dun, 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 dun. yeah
1: <laughs> what were you gonna say? how weird is it that like you I remember us having this conversation you being like well I don't know what song should I sh-? and you sent me like three options yeah. that you just happened to find and that that is the song that like defines that s- us I
0: know and that it was a, a nonchalant decision. Like, Meh, yeah, this one works. Yeah. Yeah. How weird. It's so weird. Yeah. I'd rather move to, like, Johnny Depp's island, wherever... Uh, Johnny. Jo- <laughs> Sponsor us. <laughs>
1: please don't we would love i don't yeah. want to i don't want to be attached to that we don't want the affiliation
0: <laughs> but we do want the island <laughs> i want to be attached to either you or amber oh. really economist mm-hmm. okay i didn't know if that was economist no Econom- <laughs> Economist economists be our I just go no absolutely not no. <laughs> absolutely not i've seen what i need to see that's a no that's a no Chinois? yeah okay Wow, we could get really philosophical with this. So philosophical. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Easy to climb. Which was next to impossible to climb. Oh. <laughs> we're, oh, I thought you were being sarcastic. <laughs> no. <laughs> no it, eat food nor pee. Release food. Let's be real. They peed. I think they had to. They probably also took a shit on the side <laughs> of the wall, too. You know? Yes. Mikhail Gorbachev. <laughs> bo- bo- Gorbachev. Go- 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 Did I say Mikhail right? You did. All right, splice that together, future Leah. If you seek, if you seek liberal, liberal, oh my Liberalization. Thank you.